My name is Madeline Freed. Um, my name's Blythe Robertson. And this is a show where we explain some science to you and invite comedians to come help us out. And then we actually have a real scientist to tell us how we got it wrong. And uh, Madeline and I don't have degrees in science. No. Uh, but we know how to read articles, so there we you go. We sure do. Uh, we're very good at doing homework. And this month we are talking to you about bugs! Bugs, <laughs> bugs, bugs! Um, so we, uh, very, we were very excited to talk about bugs, and then we realized that bugs are 80% of life on They're Earth, everything. and we only have an hour to talk about it, and we're super fucked. And you're trapped for life. I'm so sorry. You have to stay here the rest of your life because there's yeah. just too many bugs. Also, I spent a whole week learning about spiders, and then I realized they're not insects. Yep. <laughs> spiders ain't bugs. Yeah, but if you want to learn some crazy shit about spiders, find me after the show. All right. I'm so sorry. We can't talk about spiders, Blythe. It's fine. Uh, okay. All right. So we did read a bunch of books. Um, so we're not going to tell you each book by name because we don't have time. But um, Wait, yeah. But at this moment, we do want to do a little trigger warning for people who hate little holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. You have a bunch of little holes right next to one another. Okay, yeah, yeah. And obviously, we're going to be showing you photos of bugs. Wait, wait, wait. Um, okay. If you don't want to see that, leave. Okay. Bye. Okay, so. Okay, bugs are crazy. Uh, they are just the most beautiful distillation of evolution. Every single one has this perfect form and function, and, like, you know, they're everywhere, so. Yeah, the crazy thing about bugs that we learned while researching this show is bugs have all evolved really specific ways to fuck over other bugs. That's right. <laughs> like... I learned this from one of our comedians who's also a scientist. Um, almost all like pest insect species have a parasitic wasp that specifically fucks with it. Um, so here's a parasitic wasp fucking with a cockroach. And just really quickly, let me tell you how this works. It's evolved to like put its stinger in the cockroach's brain and it like performs brain surgery for like two to three minutes. And then after that, the cockroach will never walk of its own accord again. <laughs> But it will walk if the wasp, like, drags it, like, by its antenna. And then the wasp feeds it to its kids. But the cockroach will <laughs> swim if you put it in water. Okay, we don't have time. We don't have time for this. There are too many bugs. Okay, next slide. Okay, for example, bees. Okay. <laughs> bees are perfect. They're really, they're social animals. They have all sorts of interesting things about them, hives as brains. It's so amazing, but... Um, one way where they've evolved like in such a perfect way is that uh, there's this um, predatory hornet that if it goes into a Euro uh, European bee colony, it will destroy it without a thought. Just 12 hornets can go in and kill every single bee in minutes. And that's bad <laughs> for, the, for bees. the bees. <laughs> um, and they can't, there's no defenses. They like, one hornet comes in, like, does its little thing, leaves pheromones for its sisters, and then all the sisters come and um, yeah. murder all the bees. But, but meanwhile, there's this thing where, like, most insects can't fly if it's under 50, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, like, they're too cold. But honeybees can shiver themselves so that they're 68 degrees warmer than the air around them, so they can fly. Rem and remember that for later. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, they can, they can uh, shiver. So, um, Japanese honeybees, if a hornet comes in, they can sense, uh, they, they smell the pheromone, and they 
wiggle their little butts to signal to each other to all of a sudden surround the hornet and wiggle, wiggle. Yeah. Remember what she said? Wiggle until they bake the hornet alive. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, because. Scoot over, scoot over. I put oh, a photo of it. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the, hor the hornet dies at like 116 degrees and the bees die at 118 degrees and they shiver at 117 degrees. There's too much to know. Next slide. <laughs> okay, termites. Termites, okay, whatever. One interesting thing about them is that the queens of some species live 50 years, although the average is closer to 15, which makes me think, like, there should be a Netflix show where, like, every season is, like, 10 years of that queen's life. <laughs> it's got a huge budget. A huge like, budget. Like, John Lithgow is great in Amazing. it. It's Amazing. super boring, but it's nominated for a ton of Emmys. Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, wait, wait, fuck. Okay, so I'm going to show you something, and you're going to be like, this is a photo of, like, a lot of termites and then, like, a thing, like, a, a, a twig, perhaps, but this is a queen. That's the queen. That's the queen. She lives in one room her whole life, and people just do shit around her. So and she, like, poops out babies or whatever. So love yourself. That's a queen. <laughs> okay, aphids. Oh. Um, aphids are really interesting for a lot of reasons, even though that sounds like such a lie. <laughs> um, one of them is that aphids are one of the few insects that give live birth. So this is a photo of an aphid pooping a baby out of her butt. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, it's amazing. So um, I'm going to teach you two really fun words. Are you ready? Uh, parthenogenetic and fundatrix. Isn't that fun? <laughs> okay, so what happens, well, the reason that she's a feminist hero is that aphids are like impossible to exterminate. They just like come in and take over your whole shit all the time. Farmer's nightmare. But why is because this little lady right over here, she can uh, reproduce parthenogenetically. Remember that word from before? <laughs> it means that she can clone herself. So she, um, instead of giving birth sexually, she just poops out clones, perfect clones of herself. And she does this, th she does that like, births out like thousands of them, and then those then birth thousands of them, and then those birth thousands of them. It's terrifying. <laughs> and they're all exact clones of her. She's called the fundatrix. <laughs> <laughs> the stem mother. It's so good. Um, but then at the last generation, this happens 15 generations, la they don't all survive, so there's like 32,000 clones of her still alive. And they sexually reproduce, and then they fuck up all your crops. Yeah. Pretty good. But a lot of shit eats aphids, like ladybugs and earwigs. Okay. Madeline would like to talk to you for a little bit about evolution. I would. Thank you. This is Madeline's whole shit, so <laughs> pay attention. Okay. So we've seen some amazing bugs. I think you'll agree. Uh, and you'll see more uh, as this goes on. But I do want to talk about evolution, because this is why we do this show, right? Like, evolution is a uh, is argued about as if it does or doesn't exist, but you can see it happening. Like, we evolved flies to be resistant to DDT in, like, one generation. Like, you can see it happening, so it's crazy that people are upset about it. But the other thing about it, I, for I don't know how to do it. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing about it is that, like, it's the way that we went from the darkness to the lightness. Like, we figured this shit out, and we didn't know it before. And, like, this guy, he knew that his... This is Darwin wearing a really delightful little hat. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, you know, looked at his finches and, like, figured out something about heredity, but he didn't know that it was, like, the whole thing, because he was like, why... 
you know, why do why do things propagate themselves? Like if one grows a big nose and one grows a small nose, why does that like stick around? That stick around? Um, he didn't know, and people didn't know how to do that. And this guy is Gregor Mendel, and they he did his little stuff with the peas. Remember Punnett squares? And uh, he did this all alone. They didn't even discover this until like years after he did it. Um, but they, then he figured out like the discrete units of chromosomes and like they figured that out and he proved like all the critics of Darwin wrong. And then this last guy, Thomas Hunt Morgan, who um, uh, studied these, <laughs> uh, which are fruit flies, like he figured out that chromosomes have se like a sexual characteristic, which is why it's just like, this is how like humans go to the light. Like not everything that we do is uh, right or or anything that we do is right, but there's a real truth out there and they're like going out and finding it. And not everything is true, like anything you study about other people, like you don't even know if it's true or not, but there's a real thing out there that they're finding and damn. <laughs> this is a really like political message. I feel like there is a like objective truth. No, out there, there is, and okay. you can find it. There's chromosomes in there. We should bring up our comedian. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so thank you. Um, we now have our first comedian coming up. He is so funny. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jabuki, and he also was one of Rolling Stone magazine's 25, 25 under, under 25. 25. Please give it up for Jabuki, Jabuki. Young White. Woo! Woo! What's up? Um, just to like rewind a little bit, that fact about the bees, the fact that they just like hug their enemies to death is like the most gangsta shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I wanna see that movie. Like maybe Spike Lee could direct, I don't know. Jerry Seinfeld could come back through. He did B movie. <laughs> He's like an expert on the topic now. Um, so yeah, cool, when I found out that the show was about bugs, uh, I did one of my favorite pastimes, went on Google, tried to find out if bugs are gay. Um, <laughs> a thing that I <laughs> love to do is just looking up if animals have gay sex. Um, I know giraffes have hella gay sex, that's one thing I know. Uh, recently there was those two lions having gay sex and the lioness just kinda like watching. Um, <laughs> she's like very cool, like, uh, okay. Um, not jealous, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but bugs do have gay sex. Um, they explained that there's sort of a difference between uh, like male-on-male gay sex and female-on-female. Male-on-male is kind of just like bug sex in general is very rushed and accidentally sometimes they happen to have sex with another male, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been to college, I know. Um, <laughs> But female-on-female sex can sometimes be used as um, uh, like a way to attract male mates to make themselves look bigger. We need more women in STEM, <laughs> honestly, because I know that was just some male scientist like, oh, no, for sure, no, they want a guy in that. There needs to be a dude in the mix. Um, so I'm just gonna like run through a couple gay bugs, um, if that's cool with y'all. Uh, dragonflies, gay. <laughs> um, <laughs> ladybugs, gay for sure, you know? Like so gay, uh, specifically lesbians, um, all, all ladybugs, uh, really cute. Uh, bees, V gay. Um, they all worship a queen. <laughs> 
mm, honey, yeah, gay. <laughs> you know, very sweet, great interior designers. Uh, <laughs> I love flowers. Uh, wasps, straight. Um, look how messy this is. <laughs> There's <laughs> no focus in design, not symmetrical whatsoever. Not a look. Um, gay fig wasps. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they uh, go inside of figs, have sex, and then just sort of die inside the fig, which is like very dramatic for no reason. <laughs> um, so they're definitely gay. Um, praying mantises, gay. <laughs> Let, they're like kind of always serving like a, you know, like a sucked in cheek kind of like, it's very beautiful though. Um, just another one, like, look. Maybe it's just me, but I'm so entertained. My brain mantis is, like, so cute. They're so demure. Like, they have a secret, you know? <laughs> it's like, what are you thinking, buddy? Butterflies? Gay, yes. Um, <laughs> I love that someone under the breast was like, gay. <laughs> Say it, I know it. I really had to think about this because I think there is something very queer about the whole metamorphosis from like a caterpillar to a cocoon to a butterfly, you know, like there's something very, um, very special about that. Um, but I think also we don't freak out enough at butterflies. Like they fucking melt themselves, <laughs> go inside a cocoon and then come out themselves, but like a totally different thing. And there was like a study that showed that they can remember things from when they were caterpillars, which is crazy. Like imagine if you were just like reduced to a puddle and then just came back as like Sigourney Weaver or like some other <laughs> like totally different human, but you still had your memories like crazy. Um, a very slept on bug, also gay. Um, okay, grasshoppers, straight, crickets, gay. Um, that's the distinction I'm going with. Grasshoppers are great allies, though. Um, <laughs> and I think that they really know their place. Um, but yeah, for sure, crickets are definitely way, way more gay. Uh, if you listen, like, the crickets sound gayer, you know? Uh, there's something about it. Um, ants, gay but closeted, you know? <laughs> it's like, you're working so much, like, what are you hiding, you know? Like, if you have no time to relax and, like, actually think, like, what are you avoiding about yourself? <laughs> Ants? Um, they also worship a queen. So, <laughs> also gay. Uh, mountains. Gay. <laughs> Not bugs, but gay. How do I get back to the bugs? Yes, okay. Cicadas. Everyone knows a cicada, right? Okay, I was on the A this past summer and there was a cicada on the train? I don't know where it came from <laughs> um, in Manhattan, but truly people were like, they thought it was a plague. <laughs> like, a, a couple people were like, ah, locusts! Like, freaking out. Um, just weird. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest, so like, these are my best friends. <laughs> like, they're everywhere, but um, gay, also gay. Um, they come in a lot of different colors, uh, a lot of costume changes, and uh, actually, 
You know, I think there's something about the fact that they just leave their old shell around that's very straight. Um, <laughs> that's very much like a straight male, like, 22-year-old thing to do. Um, they're bi. <laughs> they're bi. Cicadas are bi. Um, gross, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, these... Gay. Um... At this point, I wasn't even sure. I was just putting them onto the slide. I was like, you know what? I'll just make the split judgment <laughs> and like <laughs> uh, really sum it up. But a lot of legs, mostly legs. Um, <laughs> maybe too much. <laughs> and I think that excess, gay. <laughs> uh, something very, very campy about the amount of leg in this photo. <laughs> Stink bugs are actually straight because their name is Heteroterra, um, <laughs> and it's in the name. I couldn't really dispute that. Um, roaches, gay, because they're in every continent um, <laughs> except Antarctica, and um, you can't get rid of them. <laughs> they will always be here. Um, I assume that this is a moth, but like work, bitch, honestly. <laughs> So beautiful. <laughs> I could just look at this. <laughs> so gorgeous. Um, wow, yeah. Uh, gay. Um, this is the fly from the episode of Breaking Bad. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but it stole the fucking scene, honestly. It was like some Meryl Streep doubt level acting um, in that. Unfortunately, it was snubbed for the Emmy, but a great performance. And uh, this thing from Bugs Life, uh, <laughs> gay as hell, <laughs> gay as fuck. Uh, it was a caterpillar, but like a bear at the same time. <laughs> um, cool, so that's pretty much it. Uh, these were factual, I fucked all these bugs. So <laughs> these are all facts, thank you very much. Keep it going for Jabuki Young Life. He's so charming. He's so charming. We love him. We okay. Love him. Okay. Um, All right. So now we have some more shit to tell you about bugs. We got we got packed with facts, babies. Butterflies. Okay. This is a photo of butterflies. This is a real photo. It's a photograph. Yeah. Of butterflies. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the thing that's so interesting about butterflies is they eat nectar, right? Which is carbs. So they don't have any protein. So mm -hmm. if you rip a butterfly, it can't heal. Yeah. And so people are like always being like, where you got your protein? And they're <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> As a vegan, I've lived that life. Yeah. I'm like, where do you get your protein? And people are like, meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, so everyone knows that butterflies fly thousands of miles to migrate every year to Mexico. I know that. But sometimes they get lost and sometimes ships will sail through. Uh, clouds of butterflies that have lost their way. I know. Yeah, it's a perk of sailing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> there we go. There's a photo of that. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And then baby butterflies, aka caterpillars. Some people say there's no such thing as a baby butterfly, but those people haven't seen this photo. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I know. Oh, so they have 
faces. Um, caterpillars are crazy. They often they will have adaptive coloring because they're like dumb, like sacks that are helpless. They are soft, squishy cucks. That's right. And uh, so, okay, so like sometimes they'll look scary, like the hawk moth caterpillar. Let's see a pic, baby. Ooh, it looks like a snake. It looks like a snake. And sometimes they are like, I don't care about looking scary. I just don't want people to fuck with me. So they hmm. look like bird poop. Yes, this is called a bird poop caterpillar, <laughs> I think, is yeah, literally think it. it. Yeah. Um, flies. We could say so much about flies. We could say so much about flies. Let's see what we have to say about here's it. Here's the only... So when I read this fact, I really felt like a lot of the universe was coming together for me in a big way. Like I really? felt like things really clicked in my mind. Wow. So female blowflies, which is this, which they usually breed in rotting meat, they pollinate corpse flowers. You know, those like flowers you fucking idiots love so much to go <laughs> see at the botanical garden you wait for hours they yeah. can't get they want to fuck those oh sorry yes <laughs> please go <laughs> yeah so they're like bees but for that okay so dragonflies um this is a mayfly it's a type of dragonfly that's a dumb idiot well yeah we were discussing we thought like dragonflies live but one day not so. They yeah, live they for live three years. For three years. And they're great. They can fly 35 miles an hour. Yeah. Not for long. They get too hot. But mayflies. Mayflies are the ones that only live for one day. Because why? Because they're dumb. They are so stupid and their mouth doesn't work. <laughs> they got no functioning mouths. <laughs> yeah. They live for a while as like underwater. Um, cockroaches. Oh, boy. Those are, these are the good ones. They, they have a couple good qualities. They can survive everywhere. What? Oh yeah. Okay. So I we learned while we were researching this that cockroaches eat bed bugs. So Thanks. that's nice. Thank you, cockroaches. Yeah. It's kind of like a Thank nice. Thank you. Yeah. It's yeah. like a food chain of gross shit. Cockroaches yeah. eat. <laughs> yeah. 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 They eat bed bugs, and then this is also true. Rats eat cockroaches. Yes. And um, thank you. That's so great. And Steve Bannon eats rats. That's right. <laughs> Also, they can run up to five feet per second. I know. Yeah, right. but, okay, but think about whatever. it. It's only 3.4 miles an whatever. hour. Whatever. You can run faster than that. So easy. <laughs> yeah. Just go That's faster. Whatever. Wait, walk. can I co quick say yeah. um, a little controversial thing, I think? Bed bugs? No big deal. Why? Why? <laughs> Have you heard what mosquitoes can fucking do to you? Malaria kills more people than AIDS. Get the fuck over bed bugs. They just make you itch. Whatever. Okay, go on. So you hate me now. Next slide. Wait, can I tell one? We didn't put any slides about bed bugs in the show because Madeline so does not have time for okay. But they were almost like not seen in the developed world for a long, like as of 50 years ago, they were pretty much eradicated in like the developed world. But then with like, the advent of like more shipping and like globalization, they came back. Thanks, ships. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one more fact, which I only include because my mother told me it was not true. Most cockroaches do have wings, but the biggest ones, like Madagascar hissing cockroaches, do not. Those are the nice ones. Yeah, those are the ones you always see scientists holding in their hands, like they're so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that. Is it for us for now? We have another comedian for Oh, you. I can't wait. A real deal scientist, huh? Yeah, so this 
person is a comedian who has performed stand-up all around, but he's also, because I guess it's possible to do more stuff than just do comedy, he's no getting a PhD in neuroscience from the Rockefeller University. No fucking way. So please give it up for Bennett Ferris. Hi, everyone. Let's get started. So, da, da, da. there we go. Oh, too much. <laughs> so, I study uh, fruit fly brains. Um, the last audience I told that to started laughing when I said that, um, which was a surprise to me because I had gone to that show to tell jokes about my job, but then the audience was telling me that no, my job was the joke. And uh, people studying fruit flies do get jealous of uh, people who get to study much more intelligent organisms. Uh, sorry, uh, I probably should have zoomed in. Uh, the ants, I was talking about the ants. We're, we're jealous of people who study ants. Um, so I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, a super smart ant and it's like the way it navigates through the world. Th these ants are so smart. If, if, if they were in Hogwarts, they would, they would be Ravenclaw. <coughs> Okay, so before I talk about ants navigation, I thought I'd talk about like an average human being navigating an average environment. So the average person I chose is Kevin James. Um, so let's imagine for a minute that Kevin James came to this show, which first of all, that would be a really huge honor. <laughs> Big fan of his work. But let's say that he was down here at the bar at the back and then he wanted to bone up on some bug facts, so he went upstairs to the library and then he came back down to his seat. Now, let's further imagine that we blindfold Kevin James and ask him to point to the bar. He actually would probably be pretty good at doing that. He could like point to the bar, even though he had never walked like from the bar to his seat or like from his seat to the bar, like he could tell you where it is. Good job, Kevin James. Um, so we're okay at this kind of thing as human beings, but bugs are really good at like navigating around without like any landmarks. So I'm gonna talk about an ant that lives in like the Tunisian salt desert with no, with just nothing, it's just barren. And you can see that it's like really important that like the animals that live there would be able to navigate like without using any landmarks. So um, the, these ants are kind of metal, like uh, occasionally uh, a dumb like foolhardy macho insect like tries to fly over the desert and then fails to do so. <laughs> and these ants like make their living by like going out, collecting these insects, and then like bringing them back home. Okay, so they actually go out super duper far. Like every time a worker ant goes out to get one, it goes out like tens of meters or hundreds of meters or like a kilometer. And you can see that because the food in the desert is super scarce. Um, so if you're wondering like, okay, th this, this is like a drawing of like where the ant went. If you're wondering like, well, how did the scientists figure out where the ant went? The answer is that a scientist followed them around <laughs> in the desert with a GPS. Your tax dollars at work training. Okay, so the ant goes out. It, maybe it's looking for food. Maybe it's honestly trying to get away from the, the human stalker behind it. But for whatever reason, okay, eventually it finds the food, right, at F. Okay, but this is in the desert, and this desert, like, kills insects. So the ant can't just retrace its steps on like the dumb path that it took out. So, but what's crazy is that even though the ant has walked a kilometer in all different directions, it's capable of walking home on the most direct path. 
So people were like really curious, like, okay, how come this tiny fucking ant is better than a human would be at this thing? Um, so people studied it in like a more simpler environment. So what people did is that they took like a little like linear like channel and put it around an ant nest. And then they had like food at the end of the channel, which uh, was breadcrumbs, which or no, uh, biscuit crumbs, which I thought was adorable. Um, <laughs> and basically th the lives of these ants have now become walking out, walking straight to food and then walking directly back home. Um, so uh, yeah, so the, and, and then they asked like, okay, like they're walking down this featureless channel. How do they know like how far to go down the featureless channel? And because there's no features, they thought, okay, maybe the ants are like literally counting the number of steps that they take, like the way you would get like in the dark from the bathroom, like to the bathroom in the middle of the night. <coughs> so here's a little cartoon of what happens. It walks to the food, it goes home, it kind of searches around for its home, and then it goes in. Okay, so they think they're counting their steps. So what the scientists did, um, and I just want to say that every time a scientist uh, asks a question, it does so out of like a deep respect for nature um, and a deep respect for natural things. So what these scientists did was when the ants got the food, uh, they trimmed their legs, <laughs> which was a euphemism I kind of took umbrage with. Um, nobody ever talks about somebody's leg getting trimmed in an industrial accident. <laughs> but, but if the, but, but the, the but back to the hypothesis, the hypothesis, that's what's important, the hypothesis is that they count their steps, right? So if they count their steps and their legs are shorter, each step is going to be shorter, so they're going to like not get all the way home. And lo and behold, these decrepit ants were not able to make it all the way home. Now, if I went to the grocery store and somebody amputated my leg at the knee and I wasn't able to get home, that may or may not have something to do with the fact that I was counting my steps. So what you'd really need is this crazy experiment where you'd actually have to like attach stilts to the legs of the ants, I guess, to like make their legs longer and see if they overshoot their home. Anyway, that's what they did. They <laughs> The scientists really did. This is a picture of what it really looks like. They put stilts on the ants. And what's really amazing, I mean, science really fucking works. Um, they overshot their home. So ants count their steps to figure out how far to go. And here's a class picture. No, 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 it's not sad. It's, it's at the happiness of scientific discovery. Um, there's no bit here, I just thought this was adorable. Um, um, so back to the Kevin James, James example, which I find is very instructive. Uh, knowing the distance is really only half the battle. You also have to know which direction you're walking in, um, as Mr. James demonstrates with surprising agility. Um, so how do ants pick the direction in which to walk home? Um, so there's literally fucking nothing in the desert except the sun. So the scientists were like, okay, uh, the sun. Um, and the way, instead of maiming the ants, this time they gaslit the ants. By the, when the ants went to the food, now there are two graduate students. One of them is holding an opaque thing to shield the, sun, the ant from the sun. And the other one is holding a mirror, like holding it, holding it there. And this makes the sunlight look like it's coming from the other direction. And if the ants are using the sun, then, then they're going to go in the wrong direction. Well, that's, that's what they do. So that's kind of a cool thing that happened. And so at this point, the scientists were like feeling like pretty good about themselves. Like, okay, these ants aren't so smart. Like, if the sun moves, they get confused. Well, the sun moves. It's called a fucking day, okay? 
So now what the scientists are gonna do, evil geniuses, is they're gonna incarcerate the ant inside this box and they're gonna wait like two or three hours and then take the ant back out of the box. Sun's moved, ant's definitely gonna be confused, except the ant goes straight the fuck home. And the inescapable conclusion is that desert ants keep track of time in their head. So they have some model of like where the sun should be given the amount of time in the day. So super smart, these ants. So the moral of the story is by obsessive, like by like obsessing over details of ants and maiming and gaslighting ants, you could learn some pretty interesting things <laughs> about the world around us. Like that desert ants navigate, that they keep track of their distance by counting their steps, that they use the sun as a compass, and that they take time into account. That's what I got. Thanks. Holy shit. Keep it up for Bennett Harris. Where is she? This is yours. Here you go, baby. Oh, thank you. God, Bennett. so good. He, um, he performed that at our house one time. Madeline and I have PowerPoint parties, yeah. and we screamed for days. I think we also like gave him a hundred dollars because yeah, it was yeah. so good. You can win prizes at our PowerPoint parties, and so you should come and yeah, be as smart as Bennett. Friends with us after the show, and maybe we'll invite you to. Maybe a it's a private email list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we talked about cockroaches. Sure they did. are crazy. Now is the part of the show that we've all been waiting for, where we talk about how insects bone. Oh, the best. <laughs> Fucking and, and when Jabuki was looking at this, he noticed that all the, um, all the positions are universal. Yeah. <laughs> we just, like, are all one species <laughs> fucking in the same orientation. <laughs> all right, let's get to it. Crickets. Okay, oh. Uh, also, just one second, can oh. I really quickly say, of course. there's a lot of rape in the insect world, and there's a lot of, like, you know how, like, the p there are species that have evolved to really specifically fuck each other over? Men and women are, sorry, Madeline hates when I call I insects women. <laughs> yeah. um, it, they're bugs. They're bugs. Male and female insects have evolved to, like, trick one another. The women are generally trying to eat the men, and That's the right. men are trying to generally rape the women. That's <laughs> right. That's correct. Yes. So, all right. Crickets. Um, okay, so crickets are really interesting because where do I even start? Okay, so the women are always trying to. Okay, so the men. Okay, so the woman <laughs> is on top, and the man has little teeth on his back that when he curves his back upwards to start having sex with the woman, um, it locks her in. So she has to have sex with him even if she doesn't want to. Why would she not want to have sex with the male if she's already on him? Well, crickets. <laughs> The women like to, while they're having sex, as I said, they're always trying to eat the dude. He has these fleshy hind wings, and she'll nibble on them, <laughs> and then they bleed, and then she, like, sucks his blood while they're having sex, copulating, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't really want to bone anyone who isn't a virgin, because she's not about those wings that have already been nibbled. Yeah, but then she's trapped with the teeth. Yeah. That we read about in the first bullet point. So she's... So he rapes her, basically, even though she doesn't want to have sex with him, which is super fucked up. Um, but she's eating his legs. She's eating, yeah. But they're evolved, like, for that purpose. Right. Because she's just trying to get nutrients to, like, you know, help her babies and to help her live. But, like, if she's willing to copulate with him, 
they copulate for longer, and the male transfers more sperm and sires more children. So better to be promiscuous. Yeah, or no, better to like consent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whatever lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, praying mantis. Yeah, which, we, as Jibuki said, is so gay. Slay. <laughs> um, okay, but. Okay, so everyone thinks they know how praying mantises have you sex. You don't know. You don't fucking you know. You don't know. We know. You're like, oh, they, the woman eats the head of the male. Okay. Well, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. level one. So, oh, this is also a praying mantis. Yes, slay, 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 slay. All right, so the woman wants to eat the dude because she just wants nourishment. Every yeah. woman just wants to be eating food. Right, 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 right. All right, so right. so she, and <laughs> she doesn't need the male to be intact to have sex with him because if she bites his head off, his body spasms in a way where his genitalia can connect with hers. But, right? Yeah. So, so. But, okay. <laughs> so. Go, go Blythe. He's, this is my favorite thing I've ever learned. I cried for two hours after I learned it. Mm. So, he, the male is in danger when he's approaching her, but he's not in danger I'll be the when. the female. Okay, so when he's on her back, she can't get him. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so here I am being a female. Just, just chill. <laughs> so he the must male, stop. <laughs> yeah. So what he does is he approaches her whenever she's not looking. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I'm back to my business. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. He's like the fucking angels in Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just slowly getting closer to you, and it's so scary. But he wants to have your children. Not so my children. Uh, he wants to have the praying mantis's children. Okay. So this goes on for. Hours. hours. Hours they do this. Yeah. And one of the things that is interesting about insect copulation is that uh, people are not really sure if it happens in the wild like it happens in labs where they're studying it because there's like so many different factors. Yeah. But this praying mantises have been observed in the wild and in the lab. Doing and really the only difference is that in the lab it takes a lot longer, which is because once the male gets on her back and finishes copulating, he stays there for hours because he's too afraid to get off because she'll eat him. <laughs> nothing else hide. to do. Nothing else to do. Ugh. Can I say one thing about spiders? Oh, my God. Can she say one thing about spiders? <laughs> Thank okay, you. please, just let her say one thing about <laughs> spiders. Okay. okay B- so spiders are not They're not bugs. insects. Okay. okay, but... We all agree. The, the, the female's always trying to eat the male spider also. And so they deal with this in a lot of ways. Some spiders roofie the women. Um, They're not women. Okay, the, the females. <laughs> <laughs> but one type of spider, once the male is finished with his business, he throws the female in the air and runs away. So she's disoriented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it works. <laughs> yeah. All right, honeybees. Oh, this is the best. Yeah, so this is an actual depiction of honeybee sex, and then this is an emotional depiction. <laughs> so honeybees, uh, honeybees live a very, uh, male honeybees live a very, like, sad life. Um, and so what happens, uh, it, the, the absolute pinnacle of this honeybee's life is uh, a male honeybee reaches his climax, uh, explodes, Genitals rip from his body with a loud snap. <laughs> snap. Okay, great. <laughs> Why does he do that? That's crazy. So he's he's um cementing over <laughs> the entry. 
with his body. <laughs> uh, so in the hopes that she will not be able to mate again. Right. So like honeybees, it's like the queen. We all know about the queen. Then there are the worker bees, which are all female, obviously. And then the males don't do anything except to wait around for their chance to bone, right? So there's like 25,000 males who are just waiting to like have sex with one queen who's and like flying around. And explode their body yeah, explode at their climax body. with a loud snap. And she only mates like 20 times in her entire life before she goes off to start a new nest. So it's not like they're going to like bone again. They've got one chance to do their one thing. Mm -hmm. So... Most honeybees die virgins, like all of you. <laughs> yeah, you nerds. <laughs> Fuck you, audience. <laughs> 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 they have nothing to lose by exploding when they come because they're not going to have sex anyways. <laughs> and, uh, it's their one chance, baby. And, but the problem is, like, they, they die for love, right? They, block, they die to block up the queen's vagina. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, honeybees also have little hooks on their dick that pull out other penises. <laughs> so it's yeah. not even really useful. Yeah, they go in and they not only explode, but they, like, excavate and then <laughs> cement. It's wild. But you know what? A little fact, a little fact about humans. Can I talk about humans for one second? There's a theory that the male penis shape is because it's trying to squeegee other people's sperm out of a vagina. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like know. I read it once. Yeah. Next slide. I feel like that's a thing that guys in Brooklyn tell you because they want you to be poly, you know? <laughs> 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 Maybe it's true. I don't want to be too much talking. Okay. Next <laughs> okay, butterflies. These dumb idiots don't know that you don't have sex by rubbing your butt together. <laughs> yeah, these little vegans. What do they get up to? <laughs> oh, okay. So, all right. So, butterflies. Uh, so, a lot of insects have sperm packets. And, uh, and sperm pouches. Yeah, they've got crazy sperm things. And their packets, the for butterflies at least, are like huge. They're 15% of the body weight. But they're not just sperm. They're also like food because, you know, women are always trying to just like have food. They want nourishment. And so they want virgins. <laughs> they want virgin dick and virgin <laughs> blood. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they have their original sperm packets and they, you know, inhale all that shit. Yeah, so butterflies are pretty promiscuous, but if they're having sex with virgins, they're less promiscuous because they're, like, getting their needs met. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, so, oh yeah, so the whole thing that women are, like, craving sperm just, like, reminded me of when I was in high school, my crush, who I was, like, so in love with, spent a lot of time trying to convince me that swallowing sperm combats depression, <laughs> which is maybe actually true, but so <laughs> fucked up <laughs> for him to tell me. Because why? Okay, also, he now is married, and I'm literally writing a book called How to Date Men When You Hate Men. <laughs> Yeah. So he Those like people won. you left in your high school, they're happy now. <laughs> they're happy. They're doing good. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, oh, and then so the so male butterflies, they sometimes will lick rocks. Lick rocks. To build up sodium for their sperm packets. And then I put as a bullet point and Madeline also said at the same time as I was telling her this lick, lick rocks. rocks. <laughs> it's a great insult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a very like yeah, neutral mean thing to say. Yeah, lick a rock. Lick a rock. Um, you know, go fly a kite. Uh, okay. Go I like saying go sit in the ocean. Yeah. 
It's like a timeout. <laughs> it's like a great, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, balloon flies. Oh, uh, the best. These are a type of fly that uh, the male will make a little, well, a large for him, large white silk balloon for the female to play with while they are making love. And so I just want to say to everyone who is in the audience, like, please don't try to have sex with me unless you give me a white balloon to play with. <laughs> A silken balloon, balloon. Yeah. that you crafted yourself. <laughs> yeah. hmm. I wish I had that consideration. I know. For me. Uh, she's like, so like, do whatever you want. I've got a silk balloon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> completely. Completely. Uh, right. But look, like you know, we're all we're all just animals here. Look, people fuck like that. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> all right. Well, wait, no. Comedian. Oh, comedian. All right. So that's all about insects fucking, unless you want to come talk to us after the show for all the stuff that we cut out. Like moths. Like sometimes male moths give female moths like wasp repellent. So the wasp will like set them free. From, from spider webs. From spider webs. Yeah. Um, so they, the spiders will like catch the moths and be like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. And release her so thanks males yeah so mm -hmm. that and more at the bar upstairs <laughs> after the show and but all about spiders first we have our next comedian uh he hosts just a show uh the last sunday of every month at sunnyvale in williamsburg and you also may have seen him on the late show with stephen colbert please give it up for harris, harris We've learned so much. <laughs> That's crazy. We also learned that sperm cures depression. That's crazy. <laughs> That's a lie I could have been using all of high school, and that's insane. <laughs> what if that's like the happiest woman on the face of the earth, though? <laughs> anyway, enough riffing, right? Let's get to it. You guys want to hear about bugs, right? Oh, boy. Let me, let me get a buzz. Great. We're all on the same page now. Amazing. Um... So, my name's Harris. Uh, Blythe asked me to do this show, talk about bugs. It was very exciting for me uh, because when I was young, bugs meant the world to me. Uh, there's a picture of me when I was young. Uh, I'm going to have a show on CBS. It's going to be great, called Young Harris. Uh, at the same time, though, love. Thank you. Young Sheldon. Where are my young Sheldon heads at? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Bazinga! Anyway, so <laughs> I wonder if young Sheldon said Bazinga. But um, when I was young, I did truly love bugs, like so much. And I haven't thought about it in a long time because I don't have a good relationship with bugs. And I'd like to talk about that real quick. Uh, oh, real quick, actually. My favorite, though, growing up as a kid, ground beetle. Love ground beetles. Love the rice weevil because of the name. And, of course, I love to flee from the chili peppers. <laughs> Uh, I had to throw one joke in there. Uh, the rest can be so serious. Um, but uh, I love bugs as a kid, 100%, so sincerely, truly love them. Um, but it wasn't always a good relationship. So I was born June 8th, 1992. Thank you. I look so good for my age. Uh, and then uh, on June, next month, I assume I probably saw my first bug. And it was just like, wow, a bond was built. And it was so meaningful to know that bugs would be in my life forever. And uh, four years later, my parents, it's 100% true, gave me a bug farm because I was so interested in bugs and insects. I like 
was always trying to play with them. I was the weird fucking little kid at preschool. Like, I was always trying to play with bugs and stuff. That man's shaking his head, this one right here. Uh, you have something weird about you too, man. <laughs> Don't be a dick. <laughs> I liked bugs when I was four years old. Whatever. <laughs> I loved them, though. So my parents got me this bug, this actual bug playground. And the idea was, like, it's a place to keep all your things and um, all your bugs. So I was, I was grew up in Florida, so I was scourging through, like, lawns and stuff and trying to find bugs, and it meant so much. Um, and then July 12, 1996, when collecting bugs for the farm, I was bitten and had a very severe allergic reaction. <laughs> Incredibly allergic. Which brings us to the next important date. June 15th, I was released from the hospital. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so that was not exactly a good three days. I had a horrible reaction to fire, South Florida fire ants, um, completely red, completely swollen. It was, I remember it actually incredibly vividly. It was horrible. <laughs> um, brings to our next date. So three allergic reactions later, <laughs> parents took away the bug farm. <laughs> Uh, they did not like me playing with the bugs, and instead they pushed me towards an interest in indoor activities. Uh, so bugs, since I was four, essentially, bugs have not been an interest of mine because it was forbidden fruit. You know, it was what I wanted so badly but could not truly know. Um, so in the time since then, what have I done? <laughs> Become a comedian, a writer, a producer. I'm just a guy, you know? <laughs> But kind of having to lose that interest in bug pushed me towards all these other things. Um, I started producing music, I started writing comedy, and I fell in love with all of it. Which brings me to August 2017. Blythe asked me to do The Scientists. Um, and it is the first time I've had to think about bugs since I was about four or five years old. Um, and it's amazing, and I was like, oh my god, like what is, what, what did I think of bugs when I was a kid? I was trying to like revert back to that you know, that state of bug innocence. And I was talking to my mom, and she's like, oh, like, you actually, you wrote a, like, the first thing you did at Theology was you, one of the first songs you ever wrote was actually about bugs. <laughs> I swear to God, I produced a song at, like, four or five years old, like, about bugs, and she sent me a file, and the song was called Bugs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Y'all ask me, anyone see Broad City? That's for later. That's for, I'm... ADD, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, so I wrote a song called Bugs when I was like four years old. Um, it was written and recorded in 1996 by me, Harris Marison. Uh, a little bit about it. I also made a music video with it uh, in 96. And I was a precocious four-year-old. So the video was also like a social commentary on how the media objectifies women, but also never applies the male gaze to bugs. You know, like we're never thinking of bugs in that sexualized lens. <laughs> We're so busy viewing women like that and not bugs. I was horny as fuck for bugs. <laughs> so I did that. And then, so my mom sent me a file. Like, my mom had an old version of it, an old video camera version of it. Uh, and she sent it to me. And I listened to it. And I was like, this is amazing. This is, like, really actually very good. And I'm going to perform the song for you tonight. Um, thank you. Yeah. And I'm going to show the music video I made. And it's great. At the same time, I have to let you know, I found out... Due to an ongoing lawsuit, I can't discuss how it sounds a lot like a song by Charlie XCX. Uh, I don't know how, but Charlie XCX clearly, at some point, pop artist, London, ugh, annoying. Uh, 
She does the car into a car, don't care, that song. Um, no one? No one remembers that one? I'm in Brooklyn. You guys have seen the girls episode where they play the Charlie XCX song. But, they, but I can't really talk about that. I will say, though, that she ripped off my song in my music video. And it's very upsetting to me. But if you guys are okay, um, I would actually, I'd love to perform it. It's a song called Bugs. I was busy thinking about bugs. 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 I was busy dreaming about bugs. 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 Head is spinning thinking about bugs. I need that bed bug to buy me your phone on Friday. And I need that locust to swarm my ass up on Sunday. That one with pencils can snap me on Monday night. I want that bite. I want that bite. And when they finally leave me, the hops start showing. I'm tuning right into doctors, I should be going. The medical questions they ask you were my bad sad. But I'm thinking about a bug thorax. I got so's all on my body. I wish I had a less dangerous hobby. I'm obsessed with creepy crawlies. I was busy thinking about bugs. Bugs. I was busy dreaming about bugs. Bugs. I may be allergic to bugs in every crevice. I'm covered with different rashes. But I don't care because these bugs be my true passion. My doctor's calling me asking what bites are at. Still thinking about bug thorax. I'm sorry I bled on your carpet. I just can't stop scratching these bug bites. I fucking love the creepy crawlies. Oh, do it. I was busy thinking about bugs. I was busy dreaming about bugs. Bugs. Don't you buzz, don't you buzz at me. Buzz, 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 buzz. Dragonflies and beetles. Bugs is all I'm on. Don't you buzz, don't you buzz at me. As if ocean has no use for me, yeah. Don't you buzz, don't you buzz. It's a lifestyle choice. I was busy thinking about bugs. 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 I was busy thinking about bugs. 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 Turns out I'm allergic to bugs. I was busy dreaming about bugs. Bugs. I'm definitely allergic to bugs. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is, uh, oh, thank you. Uh, if you hear the real version of that song, uh, know that it's a ripoff. And uh, if you want to send an email to Charlie XCX telling her to uh, pay me, I'm open to it. Thank you so much from Harris Marison. Oh, give it up one more time for Harris Marison. He's just a guy. Harris just is a, a man guy. who knows how to commit to a bit. He does. He does. <laughs> he really does. 
so we just want to, like, before we're done, we just want to, like, cram in some extra facts. Yeah, so we've got some facts, and then we have our interview with a real life scientist who knows <laughs> stuff. She's sitting among you. <laughs> She Real could be scientist. Any one of you. Okay, so here's some just extraneous facts about bugs that we thought were really interesting, but we didn't have anywhere else to put them. All right, number one. Mosquitoes, um, blood, yellowish green. Yeah. So when you smash them and they're red, that's your blood. Yeah. Also, they have a their heart goes through their whole body, but that's less interesting. Okay. Oh, ladybugs. When they are agitated, they ooze blood from their knee joints, and that blood irritates the skin of anything they're touching. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh, this is a good one. So if you ever need to know the temp, uh, <laughs> add 40 to the number of church by a snowy tree cricket <laughs> in, uh, 15, in 15 seconds, and that's the temperature in Fahrenheit. <laughs> Um, so, like, so if, you know, if it's like today and the internet goes down in all of Brooklyn and Queens, that's and right. like, what's the temperature? The, what's the temp? Yeah. But you just look up those snowy tree crickets. Yeah, and here's a photo of a cricket that fucking knows that it can tell the temperature. <laughs> so smug about it. Um, he knows. Well, when you have knowledge, you got to brag about it. Yeah, you got to. This show. Um, uh, then I accidentally deleted the slide for this, but... I want to <laughs> talk about it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So this is where we're all bringing it back to humans, right? Like, what is <laughs> why is this important for us? Uh, which is that there's this thing called um, delusional parasitosis. So these are all real bugs. And sometimes... Um, humans will become scared of these things to a delusional extent and think that they are covered in bugs. It's bad. Yeah. Now, the person who usually hears about this delusional parasitosis first is the scientist at the head of whatever bug institute is big in your state. So what will happen is that scientist uh, will be sitting in her office researching the bugs of Connecticut, say, <laughs> and she has a phone open for any bug queries uh, the humans of Connecticut happen to have. And a lot of them, like 40% of them, are people with delusional parasitosis calling her. Uh, we know this because we talked to this lady. <laughs> 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 and... Um, saying that they have bugs, that they're infested with bugs. And when they bring her the bug that they think is infesting them, it's, it's like grit or, you skin know. Skin flakes. Skin flakes. Yeah, and it's lint. not bugs. Uh, and she has to tell them that it's not bugs and that she, they need to go see a psychologist. And they never, ever listen. Yeah. Because that's a really scary and fucked yeah. up thing to think. And you think, oh, it's only people who are, like, on meth that, and, like, God bless if you're on meth, get help. But, like, you're, like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to, like, I don't want to stigmatize people right. on meth. <laughs> yeah, we would hate, we would hate to do that. Yeah. We would hate to do but that. You're, like, it's only people on meth you think they have bugs on them. But it's people who are stressed out. Yeah. Like, it's just people who, like, their wife left them, and suddenly they think they have bugs all over them. Yeah. It's yeah. really crazy. And it's very impossible to convince them, and they keep calling her. Yeah. So, anyways, it has really helped me recently, whenever I thought there was a bug on me, to be like, there exists a disease where people think that there are bugs on them because they're stressed out. I would personally say that for probably anyone in the audience who's under 30, if you're feeling, like, a symptom, it's probably because you're stressed out. <laughs> Like, at least whenever I call my mom and I'm like, I think I'm having a heart attack over the course of four days, she's like, you're stressed. Yeah, and that's right. Or you're covered in bugs. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> next slide. All right, and this is our final fact. Uh, we just thought it was so cute. 
moths live on sloths. <laughs> we kept this slide in for the rhyme. Uh, so you know how sloths, many of you might know this fact, sloths go down once a week to take a shit on the forest floor. They're like safe up in their tree all week and then they like literally ritualistically go down to the forest floor to take a shit and scientists are like, we don't know why. They just really like this tradition. <laughs> well, it's like when you're at your office and you go to a different floor to poo. Yeah, yeah. S but they have like a whole ecosystem living on their backs. So when they go down, the moths like sc scurry off their backs and go into the shit and reproduce and eat and then um, scurry back onto the sloths. Yeah. And they eat the algae or they, they produce algae and then uh, the sloths eat the algae and it's this like beautiful little cycle. Yeah. And like here's two moths on a sloth. But up to 100 moths have been found living on one sloth and seven different species of moth. Yeah, that's what happens when you don't walk fast enough. <laughs> Moths on sloths. <laughs> and with that, yeah, we're, we're going to bring up our scientist. Our scientist. Um, so, okay, our scientist is so legit, I can't even deal with it. Um, she is a behavioral ecologist. She, oh, thank you. Um, she studies, like, uh, mostly slave maker ants and like social parasites. So yeah, I saw them and screamed. Uh, and she's also a curatorial associate at the Natural History Museum. So please give it up for our scientist, Dr. Christine Johnson. Well, the first like, that was really cool. Wow. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yeah. It's like gay, many, many, many <laughs> non really gay um, <laughs> insects. But <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that was pretty cool. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> I guess our first question is did we mess up anything very horribly? Yeah. Please <laughs> fat. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, tell us. Please <laughs> tell us. I mean, I, I, there, there was a lot of information, and it was really <laughs> fabulous, and the comedians were just great, <laughs> and, and just wow. She's about to burn us. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, um, no, it was, it's pretty cool. So Thank um, you. So basically, you have most of the things pretty, pretty good, pretty good. Um, <laughs> insects are kind of interesting because they're... Um, their method of reproduction. So one of the things that I think that would be a really good thing to sort of think about is that really the goal of everybody, we're, we're humans and we think and we live a long time and so we do a lot of things but basically in nature the goal is for reproduction and so you brought up the fact that males do just want to fuck. And, and they do and in, and in many um, Many insects, they do. They just fuck and they die. The males die. I mean, it's true, but it's like really Take true. that as a lesson. So write that, write that down. They, they fuck, fuck and, and die. And then, they, and then they die. I have that um, tattooed on my neck. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking fuck die. And die. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's, that's, like, that's really sort of the main take-home point of all of this. And so insects are incredibly diverse. So, yeah, just to introduce myself a little bit. I work at the American Museum of Natural History and I'm the curatorial associate there. We do have a large, we have about 15 million insects, uh, preserved insects in the collection. I just want to like do a shout out to the American Museum of Natural History because it's, it's a fabulous place. Yeah. It, it, it really is a fabulous place and 
we have specimens that date back to the mid to late 1800s. And just, this is kind of, I just have to like sort of divert a little bit. Just recently, I was looking through some crickets because I was looking to digitize our, I know, sounds crazy, sounds crazy. So I was looking through, I was looking through our cricket collection and I see this cricket and it says 20, was it 2010 or 2040 BC? And I was like, really? And I, oh, I took the thing out and it was from Thebes and the cricket was actually collected in two, 1920. So there was a, actually there was a mummy excavated in 1920 and back then we didn't really have the x-ray technology, blah, 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 blah. And this was, the mummy was collected by the um, Metropolitan Museum of Art. And then in 19, I think 39, the x-ray technology allowed them to look at this mummy. And the mummy had been placed next, next to the mummy had been placed uh, food and beer, very simple food and beer. And so they really thought this mummy wasn't very important because generally if you were important in society, you didn't have just you know beer and a simple meal next to you. When they x-rayed the mummy, they saw that there was actually jewelry and stuff on this mummy, and it was um, an estate manager for a prince, and they unwrapped the mummy, and they found a gecko, a mouse, and this cricket. And so this cricket is in our collection, and it's 4,000 years old. <laughs> and the really cool thing about this is that our specimens that we collect, and I'll go on to the sex thing later, <laughs> but... Oh, I forgot. I but forgot the, about that. Oh, but wow. But the really cool thing is, is that, you know, the specimens that we collect, when you collect them, they're preserved forevermore when you treat them well and you keep them in really good conditions. And this stuff stays around forever, and it shows us a period of the past that we have, that doesn't exist today. When, peop when people come and they take tours of the collection, I always say to them, people are like, oh, you know, what, why is this important? We, some of these places, not only do these insects not exist anymore, the places don't exist anymore because we cement everything over, we build, we build, we build, yeah, whatever, it's great. But this stuff often doesn't exist anymore except for in our collections. And then you go back and you look at what was there and it gives you an idea of what the, the habitat was like, what the environment was like, and it also shows you how can I say this? Climate change. I know it's a little bit flooded. <laughs> yeah. How this really No, climate change is real. Yeah. Everybody yeah. agrees. It, it, Thank you. It is. Please. Yeah. It, really, it really is real. And when you look at, so we were digitizing our collection, which just means we're databasing the collection. We, we take images of the specimens, et cetera. When you start to correlate that stuff, especially with insects that live on plants and whatnot, and then you look at the environment and you see the changes, you see the changes as when, when things were collected in 1910 and when they're collected today. And just that little bit of fact, just a difference of 30 days, you collected 30 days earlier in 1910 than you do today, that's significant, that's major. That means that your environment is changing, or uh, later, yeah, earlier today than and later back then. That means your environment is changing. And it's really cool to see how our collections can actually um, give you information about the past and how our, uh, how our world is changing. And if anyone says it's not true, it's true. But anyway, so let's go on, <laughs> let's go on to sex anyway. It's true, it's true. So, yeah. I'm sorry, that was like off topic because that's not what I was gonna talk about. But that's anyway. amazing. Yeah, well, how about you describe a little bit about your work, about the, the uh, ants that you study? Oh yeah, so I work at the museum as a, the curatorial associate. So we, I sort of manage this collection of 15 million specimens. But my research was actually on slave maker ants or ants that utilize other species of ants to sort of do the work that normal ants do. 
Um, and it's a really fascinating system, and it's evolved a couple of times, and it's a very complex system because you only get it really in areas where you have um, diapause or you have a winter. Um, in like the tropics, you actually don't get this slave-making species. And so the ants that I worked with for my PhD, I was looking at how ants can utilize another species. Ants generally, just to give you a little brief sort of introduction to ants, and bees are very similar actually, is that you do have a queen, the queen is female, and the workers are female. And queens and workers are derived from fertilized eggs. But males are de derived from unfertilized eggs. Yeah, so, um, which, is, which is pretty cool actually. But what, when, what happens when you have a queen and she mates with a male and they, they, they get together and they produce offspring, the offspring are actually as sisters more related to the each other than if those offspring produce their own offspring, which is why you have females who choose to basically give up sex to, to help the queen. Um, and it's, a really, it's, it's really fascinating. And then you get this production of new queens, and those new queens then propagate the colony. So insect ant colonies and bee colonies are really, really fascinating. And this whole life history is spectacular because you're basically producing evolution. Evolution is about getting your genetic material into the next generation. If you don't get your genetic material into the next generation, it doesn't matter. If you die out, there's nothing to pass on to go on further and further. And that's why insects are so amazing because they're finding these n really incredible ways to get their genetic information, their DNA, into the next generation. So with ants, so slave maker ants, so you have these, these ant nests and you got the queen, you got all these female ants, which are the workers, and then you have the males. And Ant nests, if you disturb them, either if you're an, another ant or something else, ants get really aggressive and they kind of attack you. Well, slave maker ants are able to get into these nests. They, what they do is they steal their brood. They steal their young. They bring the young back to their nest, allow them to emerge, and then the smell, when they emerge, so ants are holometabolists. They go through the egg, they become a larva, they're a pupa, and then they become an adult. And when they emerge as, a, as an adult, they learn the, the odor of their colony, and they treat them as their sisters and brothers. It's a way of recognition. So you recognize your parents because you're born, you live with your parents, but if you were adopted, you would basically be reared you know, with your family and think that was your family unless you were kind of different colors, and then maybe you might not. You think like maybe there's something wrong here, but anyway, or something different. Not wrong, but different. Um, adoption, not wrong. Anyway, <laughs> adoption is not wrong. We've adoption's, no, yeah. not, adoption's yeah. not wrong. I am childless, and I would adopt in a heartbeat. But so with ants, these the young get then get brought back into the nest, and they emerge as an adult, and they learn the odor of that colony, and they treat those ants as if they were their sisters, and that was their queen, and then they do everything you know as if they were in their native nest, as, as if they were as if they were working for their mother who produces sisters that are more related than they would be to their own daughter. So this is a huge, interesting system of manipulation, and it's a chemical manipulation. And then when new queens, when these new slave maker queens emerge, the way they take over a nest is these new queens go out, they mate, the males die, because again, that's all they're for, <laughs> is to Fuck mate. Fucking die. Sorry, just yeah, saying, yeah. just <laughs> saying. Um, 
And then they go into a nest of their host species, they find the queen, they attack the queen, and they basically take on her odor to trick the workers of that species into, into uh, adopting her as if they, if, as if they were, she were their queen. It's very cool, it's very cool. It's very cool and it's very unique and it's not an easy life. They don't always do really well, which is why they're kind of rare. And again, <laughs> just, I just have to do a shout out to habitat. If you lose the habitat, you lose the organism. You lose the host, you lose the parasite, you lose the whole ecological system. So let's, not, let's make this light. <laughs> so presumably those worker ants that are stolen don't want to be because they're not passing on their genes. Do have they evolved any defenses against this? So there, uh, there are there is some research to show that the workers that are being sort of taken as children um, do evolve some defenses to be able to resist. The issue is so worker ants generally don't mate; they are sterile females. And the only thing they can do is they're sterile in one sense, in the sense that they don't mate with a male, so they produce this egg that can become a male. So again, the genetic material is passed because they're producing males. Um, and so it is a loss to some extent for them, but not a super duper loss. The big loss actually comes with the queen, but there is a little bit of a, a, um, a defense, but the defense is almost negated because it's not that big of a loss for them because they can still produce um, males. Yeah. Well, that's wild. I want to cry saying this, but we have hit our hard out. There's a show <laughs> at 8.30, but you have been so fascinating. Thank you for coming in. Give it up for the good doctor. And thank you all for coming. The Scientist is held monthly at Union Hall in Brooklyn, New York. Hosts were Blythe Robertson and Madeline Freed. Recorded by Chris Medrano. Produced and edited by Shannon Manning for Good Orbit. <laughs>